Welcome, welcome all to the Pro Football Radio Podcast. This is your co-host, Dave Chima, with the pride and joy of Merrimack, New Hampshire, the Puma. Welcome in, Puma. How you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. It's been a while since we hopped on. You know, we took a little break after the Super Bowl, and since then, Jay, you know, obviously we got the free agency stuff we're going to get into, but, you know, the Washington football team's got a new name. They're now the Washington Commanders. You know, you, you got Deshaun Watson we're going to get into. The whole NFL landscape seems to change whenever we take some time off. So uh, I, I feel like we couldn't have picked a better time to hop back on the pod and, and discuss the breakdown of the league-wide news. But how, how you been? I've been good, man. I've been good. Just kind of enjoying the time off from the podcast, you know, just uh, chilling out, relaxing. It got really quiet there at the end of February in regards to NFL news, but... I, I mean, the NFL just doesn't stop. It's a 365-a-day-a-year uh, operation, and the news is just hot and heavy. And even though there's no games going on right now, the, the storylines are so juicy. I mean, we've got so much to hit on today. Like, we probably when we get to the whole Brady thing, that Brady came back, and now he's going to retire and play another year for the Buccaneers. And Deshaun Watson looks like he might have a new team. The fallout from that, you know, Baker Mayfield penned a goodbye letter last night. So much is going on, man. And, and as usual, my New England Patriots and Bill Belfraud is up there in Foxborough doing absolutely nothing but twiddling his thumbs. It's been two and a half days now, and the man hasn't made a single move except for re-signing Matthew Slater, McCordy, and our kicker. Way to go. Woo. I'm so excited about that. No, you didn't know he was ahead of the game. He got these guys last year on cheap deals compared to nowadays. That's the narrative I saw that was being pushed out. And I, I is that laughed? Is that really the narrative, huh? Yep, yep. So yeah. uh, I I saw that, and then apparently you y'all signed uh, Terrence uh, Terrence Mitchell, cornerback, uh, yes. because he's going to replace J.C. Jackson. So yes, that's... Uh, was it a five teams in six years? Correct. Uh, yeah, something like that. He's uh, in Working the words of Johnny Cash. Fine. I've I've been everywhere, man. Working out just fine. No, we don't want J.C. Jackson at a reasonable sixteen point five million dollars a year. We want we want to go and go bring in Terrence Mitchell. That's great. I, I'm excited, Puma. Uh, my my enthusiasm is through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Well, well, we'll get to that later on. And um, we have a lot to cover today: free agency, uh, trades. So let's start with the free agency aspect of it because there's a lot that's happened. A lot of key players. The Bengals got some help for Joe Burrow. The Jaguars are, to quote a phrase from you, are spending like coked out hookers. Uh, my Chargers are, are making some good moves that I like. Right before we came on the air, Von Miller ended up going to the Buffalo Bills, which is going to just add to that defense next year, especially with Tredavious White coming back. But, you know, taking a step back, Puma, you know, taking a look at free agency as a whole, who caught your eye in regards to some of the moves they made that you really liked? I mean, you you, uh, you kind of said it right there. Listen, all, all kidding aside, yes, the Jaguars have been spending like coked out hookers, coked out rappers, whatever. But they they are actively going into places to try to better the roster for Trevor Lawrence. Like, you know, this is Doug Peterson. He's trying to get everything around his new court, shiny toy. It's Trevor Lawrence. Um, I, I really liked the Brandon Sheriff signing on the offensive line to protect him. Um, it, it, you know, I, I was really hoping Sheriff would maybe go to Miami because, you know, we, the Dolphins, we need a lot of help on the offensive line. But um, that, that, that dude is a top-tier free agent for the offensive line next to Taron Armstead out of the Saints. Uh, but I, I like that signing. 
for all the panning that Christian Kirk has gotten, do I think he's worth like the four years, $74 million that could potentially get up to like 84 plus million if he hits all of his incentives? No, I don't think so. But I think he is a, a potentially a solid wide receiver uh, type of deal, considering that, you know, you look at the position, Marvin Jones is potentially on the back nine of his career. They haven't really used LaVisca Chenault the right way coming out of Colorado. Uh, he was coming out of, uh, out of uh, you know, college as a jack of all trades. You could use him in the backfield. You could use him at wide receiver. They never really figured out a way to get him more involved in the offense. Um, and then, you, you know, you still have James Robinson there. I, I do like what Jacksonville is starting to build around there. But then you have like the head scratch moves of, all right, we're going to release Miles Jack. Still mm-hmm. don't get that whole logic. But then like looking farther down the road to the draft, if you're the Jaguars and you're Aiden Hutchinson, the, the top, you know, potential draft pick uh, coming out of the University of Michigan, that kind of settles, you know, who the potential number one pick would be for Jacksonville. If they didn't get Brandon Sheriff, they might go for offensive line. But now that they went Sheriff in free agency, uh, Aiden Hutchinson might potentially be that first overall pick. You pair him with Josh Allen on that defensive line on the edge. They can really get after it. So I do like what Jacksonville's doing. Um, the Dolphins, uh, I'm biased, but I really like that Cedric like Wilson moves. signing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I am, I am all for it. He really stepped up when you know Amari Cooper was out with COVID, and then he really shined when Michael Gallup unfortunately tore his ACL last year. Um, they started to address the offensive line by signing Connor Williams in free agency from Dallas. Um, they're starting to address the running game by signing Chase Edmonds uh, to a free agency uh, agent contract. So you pair him with uh, Miles Gaskin. I, and then you look at what uh, the new head coach, Mike McDaniel, wants to do. He's a disciple of you know Kyle Shanahan. I think this is all going to start coming together for the Dolphins, and especially with that up-and-coming defense, I, I'm I'm actually pretty excited to be uh, you know for the Dolphins this coming year. I I haven't heard that come out of your mouth in probably three years. In a very long really time, excited. right? I I can't. I, I you're saying this, and I'm like, is this Puma I'm talking to? Where's he at? Who took his body? <laughs> you know, they got they kept Ogba. They, they re-signed Ogba. Mm-hmm. That was a big thing. You know, you got an up-and-coming defense. Uh, you know, we saw what the defense did last year with Flores. I think they're still going to be on an upward track, considering oh no, all the pieces they got there. And, you know, I've been begging for a, a, a running attack for the last three seasons now. Um, the Teddy Bridgewater signing is a little bit interesting, in my opinion. But I think it's insurance I, for, for... I think it's just know, insurance, yeah, too. To what does get hurt. And, and I think you're spot on, Puma. I'm really excited about seeing what the Dolphins have to offer this year because Cedric Wilson, I think, is low-key underrated. I think he and Waddle could be like these insane weapons in mm-hmm. that offense that uh, your head coach runs, uh, especially the, the same run zone scheme they used in San Francisco. But Cedric Wilson, he's such a shifty little guy. You pair him up with Jalen Waddle. Given the fact that also Tua has been able to have a little bit of success in Miami with all the bullshit around him, like I, I am intrigued to see what you know uh, Mike McDaniel's can do with Tua, who is gonna be in a supportive, supportive role right now. I mean, we saw this last night where you know Baker Mayfield basically said goodbye to the Browns because they were entertaining Deshaun Watson for a day and a half. 
Tua had to have those rumors going on for years straight and somehow still play through it very well. So you, you couple the fact that there seems to be a sense of direction. You took the Brian Flores out of Miami. You're adding these, these pretty nice pieces. They're going to be running that run zone scheme. And I do believe Jimmy G wasn't perfect, the perfect quarterback for that run zone scheme that they run, you know, that they're going to bring over from the 49ers with Mike mm-hmm. Daniels. I think Tua is a perfect guy for that. I, I think the RPO aspect with the with the run zone schemes that they're going to be running, I, I think there's going to be a potential for the Dolphins to make some serious noise. Um, it all really comes down to the defensive side of things. And I think, from what I understand, you're okay with the defense as well right now, right? Yeah, I'm okay with the defense. You know, Christian Wilkins is going to be there uh, for, uh, I believe, next season. They have the, the the option to pick up his fifth year. But, you know, they, they re-signed. They they re-signed Ogba. He was a potential free agent. They 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 re they brought him back into the fold. Uh, linebacker Duke Riley, you know, okay, a little bit more linebacker depth type of deal. Um, but this is an up and coming defense. I am I'm hopeful that the the track that this defense was on is gonna you know going to continue uh, moving forward. I you know I I get it. Flores was a defensive genius. I mean. He he shut down Lamar Jackson with zero blitz, and mm-hmm. I, I never thought I would see that uh, given given the circumstances. But I I, I think this defensive uh, core as a whole is still on an upper track. So I, I'm I'm I never thought I'd say this, Jay. Like you said, I'm I'm I'm, I'm genuinely excited to see what happens down in South Beach moving forward. Mm, yeah, it's gonna be nice. What? How far off do you think they are from Buffalo? I know obviously at the end of the day, Buffalo oh, is the king they're... of the AFC East. Yeah, go ahead. They're, they're, in my opinion, they're a ways off from Buffalo and the AFC East. Call it somewhat biased, but also just reading the room. I think they could potentially fight for second place in the AFC East. I don't really think that's a, too far. No of a argument bridge for to me cross. here. No argument like, from I, here. <laughs> I don't think it's too far of a bridge across. I definitely see them as a wild card team uh, in the upcoming season. Uh, especially now, I, I can't hammer home the point of having a, a, a functioning running attack, whether or not it's actually going between the tackles or, or you know, just generating offense like, you know, in the screen game or maybe using Waddle or, or Cedric Wilson, type, you know, kind of like how they use Debo Samuel. I'm not saying those guys are Debo. Debo is Debo. You're not going to recreate think, that guy. I think Jill Waddle can be a better Debo. I, like, I'm not lying when I say this. I think the only difference I see in the fact that Debo and Waddle's body type are different, I guess Debo can take a little bit more punishment, but explosiveness-wise, right. explosiveness-wise, you could run Jill and Waddle on those on those like jet sweeps and those schemes all day, and you would confuse the hell out of a mm-hmm. lot of defensive corners in the NFL. Right, and you know I, I've been banging the Preston Williams drum for uh, quite some time now, uh, maybe... I'm going to end up wearing egg on my face by the end of the season. But I think, you know, you get Preston Williams a little bit more involved. That's more depth, the wide receiver core. Maybe Devontae Parker can recreate some of the stuff he's done the last couple of seasons. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm all here for the Dolphins at this point, man. Like, let's let's go. So where, uh, where are you guys allotted to draft? And do you guys have a lot of draft picks this year? Uh, well, we did, but then we we traded we traded our first round first rounder with the Eagles, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. So the Eagles are going to be picking a little bit higher. I think we're picking post fifteen. 
yeah. I think I think we got the 49ers draft pick uh, when we swap places with uh, yeah, so with them so they could get Trey Lance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So 26 and then round two, uh, number 50, round three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, where, where would you want them to attack? What you what do you want them to attack in the draft? I mean, call me old school. I, I want offensive line. Like, you know, looking at what we've done the last couple of years uh, with, you know, Andrew, you know, Andrew Jackson out of USC, the developmental guy that's just been a turnstile. You know, if if we're really going to find out what Tua is, especially with the new head coach, then, you know, let's let's actually protect the investment. I, I would like offensive line, especially to create a little bit more gaps in the run game for Chase Edmonds and Miles Gaskin. Um, and really, that is what I see as the main focal point. Um, I think maybe around two, around three, you can start attacking the linebacker position type of deal. But I definitely want the offensive line. Yeah, that's. I mean, listen, we could have Laramie Tunsil part two out there, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, hey, whatever. Yeah. All right, so. You know, I was looking at the Duma prep notes, and I was trying to figure out what what team that I love the most in regards to the moves that they made in the uh, in the free agency so far. It's only been two and a half days, but you know, I, I looked at the Bengals. They got a lot of help for the offensive line, and Joe Burrow is going to be clean. I think next year they ended up picking up Kappa from uh, the Buccaneers, and then they took Ted Karras from uh, the New England Patriots. By by the way, a little aside note from Ted Karras for the Patriots. Did you hear the backstory of how how Ted Karras left the Patriots and went to the Bengals? No, enlighten me. Last week, before free agency hit, they offered him three years, $15 million, okay? They said, could you please, uh, by the uh, by the end of uh, Sunday night, make us an offer? Uh, the Patriots told uh, Ted Karras, by Sunday night, please accept or decline the offer, right? Sunday night mm-hmm. comes and goes. He wants to hit free agency. Um, <laughs> so he doesn't give the Patriots an answer. So the next day on Monday, they lowered the offer from three years, 15 to three years, $13 million. And then, what? yeah, I'm not even lying to you. I'm not even lying to you. <laughs> They're still operating in the mindset that they still have Tom Brady and it's five, six years ago. So when he saw that contract, he got offended, lost, you know, wasn't really happy. And he ended up signing three years, 18 million with the, with the Bengals. So they misread the, the market for him. Then they offended him and he finally went and signed at, at a higher price than what they gave him in the first place. That's that's the incompetency known as the New England Patriots at the moment, Puma. Chess. All the chess. <laughs> but, you know, I what I want to get to is what the Chargers have done so far in the offseason. I mean, I, I absolutely love everything they've done so far. You know, it's well documented on the podcast that I am a really big Justin Herbert mark. I, I love what the Chargers are doing. And I know their head coach can get in the way. And that's really the only thing I have a concern about at the moment. But in regards to just the on-the-field players, you know, they ended up, re- before the agency hit, they ended up re-signing Mike Williams for three years, $60 million, which is absolutely a, a big target for, for Justin Herbert. Before free agency hit, they trade for Khalil Mack. Uh, they're going to pair up Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa on that line. And then once free agency started, they signed J.C. Jackson to a five-year, $82 million, million dollar deal contract uh, to show up the secondary. Uh, and then they topped it all off with signing uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson, both defensive tackles that are going to clog up the middle and provide a little bit of, uh, of uh, run defense, right? I mean, their run defense last year was atrocious. It was notoriously bad. So they've done a lot to shore up their defense. And, and I'm just really excited about 
what these guys are doing. I mean, I have a lot of problems with how my Patriots are handling free agency so far, especially with a rookie contract. But what the Chargers are doing is a textbook case of what you're supposed to be doing with a young, up-and-coming rookie quarterback on a rookie deal because you're only paying him $5, 7000000 million a year. So you can throw money around to Mike Williams and J.C. Jackson, and you can load up all around him. And I think what the beauty of what the Chargers have done is, you know, if you look at their drafts, a lot of their talent is homegrown. This is where the Patriots are in such a bind right now where their drafts are coming back to bite them. But if you look at the draft so far, I mean, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Rashawn Slater, Joey Bosa, Kenneth Murray, uh, Williams, uh, who else is that one guy? Um, uh, Asante Samuel, Derwin James. All these key pieces they drafted are panning out now. And now they can go into free agency pluck the the few you know uh marquee pieces they need like a jc jackson drop them into that team and they're going to be scary good next year i i am very very close and we're going to talk about the afc west arms race going on right now i'm very close to picking the Chargers to win the afc west at the moment right and you know to to kind of piggyback off of the homegrown talent aspect of of teams you know specifically the chargers in this instance that's kind of like the saying right like you don't want to win the free agency you know arms race right like you you use free agency to supplement what's already been developed at the key position specifically the offensive line defensive line the wide receiver position like the skill position type of type of deals we saw the jets a couple of years ago and they went all in with cj mosley and you know levy on bell and and you know, so on and so forth and it just it didn't pan out and jay not to pick on your patriots but i mean new england last year was you know bona fide but all across the board the air quote winners of free agency but looking back now jay like can you i can only think of like two players that actually panned out in free agency judon. and that is you know matt judon and, and kendrick Bourne. And, and you know i guess hunter henry gets an honorable mention no, no, everything not, else no. wasn't that great mm-hmm. so you don't want to win specifically like you know the free agency type of deal but spending like coked out rappers and i know that's kind of you know the counterpoint to what i said with jacksonville but I think in the point of the Chargers, they're using free agency the way it should be used. You want it to well, supplement what's already been homegrown. That's a great point by you. And I was thinking about this the other day. You know, obviously, the Chargers used the, the, the base of their team is homegrown, draftable, drafted talent that is prospering into great players now. And then they're supplementing the rest of it through free agency, right? What the Patriots yeah. did was. They had no base last year, and then they tried to create a base by spending a bunch of money last year, and now they have no more money left or, you know, resources left to supplement that uh, that base, right? So they're still lacking in a lot of areas. If you start looking around with the Patriots, the fact that they're targeting McCourty and Slater and re-signing Brian Hoyer, like, it's because... A, nobody wants to go up to New England no more. It's, it's not a destination anymore. And secondly, like, it's, it's hard to spend year after year, spend all that money. Like, at the end of the day, like, Robert Kraft is a businessman. You know, what he understands is cash in, cash out, right, at the end of the day. And he's not going to constantly spend $160 million every single year just to get his roster up to snuff. Especially when Bill Belichick's calling card is a finding diamonds that are rough, you know, drafting them, and then developing them. So if he's not doing any of that, then what good is Belichick when he, he's got to go out there every year and spend $160 million? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, he's the sage. Is he, uh, you know, the greatest general manager of all time, too? You didn't know that? I, a, I legitimately, and maybe we could have this conversation right now because we're on a good flow of it. I legitimately am scared of what the Patriots are going to be next year. Uh, like, I, I thought, you know, year one after Brady was them bottoming out with Cam Newton. Year two, they, for all tons of purposes, I have my issues with them, they had upward trajectory. Sure, at the end of the year, they collapsed and left a bad taste in all of our mouths by getting blown off the field by the Buffalo Bills. But we can look at that year and be like, all right, listen, we've got a base now. Mac Jones isn't, you know, uh, the guy, but he's a guy that can, you know, basically provide you with middle-of-the-pack quarterback play. So let's build off that. Let's build off that roster. Let's try to make some moves. Let's try to bring in some, some help for him. But it seems like it's going backwards. And now there's reports that Brian Hoyer is actually teaching Joe Judge and Matt Patricia the offense. Because of how, because of how bad those guys are or how, how bad of a base they have uh, of the offensive knowledge of the game for the Patriots, Brian Hoyer, a quarterback, is teaching the offensive coaches on how the offense is run. And, and I'm just looking at all of this and I'm thinking to myself, I, I have never been a big fan of Mac Jones, but I feel bad for him. I truly do. He, he's being put in a situation next year where... They're pretending they're the Patriots from five, six years ago, where they're basically telling free agents that, hey, we're gonna come, we're gonna, we're only gonna sign you if your market tanks and you take a discount. So, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm a loss for words for so far the the Patriots quote unquote plan. Right, and Jay, like we haven't even hit on, we only hit on the point of one offensive lineman. They trade another offensive lineman in Tampa Bay yep. for basically an Arby's gift card. Like, And then Trent they, Brown they, has they, a visit with the Seahawks tomorrow, and it looks like it's, that's going to go through. Right. So, like, you have all that turnover in the offensive line. Uh, you, you, I, I know how much you love this guy, too, but, like, Brandon Bolden, like, he's he left. He's going to Vegas with his boy Josh McDaniels. So, I, I don't know I, the state of New England to, to hit on that real quick. Like it, it's, it's not that great. Like I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the dolphins found a way to sneak by and finish second behind Buffalo in the AFC East this year. And potentially well, you have new England, maybe looking on the, the outside looking in for a wild card spot. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, Puma, I, that's not far-fetched. I mean, at the moment, I think I would agree with you, right? I mean, we both agree that Buffalo is a team that, you know, we're not going to beat the Buffalo Bills and win the division where we can't even make them punt uh, in consecutive games. So we all agree Buffalo's going to win that division. But I do believe that the Miami Dolphins, I mean, with all the dysfunction of the Miami Dolphins organization last year, they still swept us. Like, what does that say? Like, where we were week one and where we were week 17 against the Miami Dolphins, nothing changed. Yeah, we went, we, we had a crazy roller coaster ride up in the middle of the season. Then we came crashing down. So we just kind of, the net gain was still where we started in the middle, in the beginning of the year. So I, I would not be one bit shocked. And, and let's, let's not be, and let's be real for a second here. The Jets are also making some quality moves. Like they're mm-hmm. off the radar a little bit and we kind of laugh at them. I know we pay them attention because they're the stinking Jets. But there's a couple moves they made where I'm like, interesting. That, that makes some sense. Uh, okay, I can see that. I've never said that once about the Patriots so far this offseason. Yep. Fun times, Jay. Or in the words of the late, great Dusty Rhodes, hard times, daddy, hard times. Uh, Dolphins are given former 49ers running back Raheem Mostert a one-year $3.1 million deal. Ooh-wee! So it looks like they're hell-bent on fixing that, uh, that, that running attack, right? Yep. I mean, that'd be nice. Fix that running attack, give Tua some time. That'd be really good. So all for I, it. 
I think you know we went through our winners so far of the, of the you know free agency off season. I've already had my loser, which is the Patriots, because I think they're stinking it up. Do you have any team that you look at and you're thinking, what the hell are they doing? Or are they not even making any moves that uh, has you concerned a little bit? I mean, I, I, get, I guess the Vikings, if your your big splash is re-signing Kirk Cousins. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Kirk wasn't going to get you to a Lombardi. And he kind of snuck in there with, like, the Brady news that came out when Tom Brady just took an AC-130 gunship to, like, the, you know, the, N- the NCAA <laughs> bracketology and the brackets coming out and all that stuff. Like, he snuck in there. Like, somehow he conned them into another year of fully guaranteed money with no trade clause. Like, I, I, I don't know, Jay. We were talking about it offline. Like, if, if you're going to, like, try to move on – like it potentially be in the business of getting a different quarterback, you know, maybe ride it out this year with maybe like, you know, Kellen Mond, see what you got with him, uh, trading for Jimmy G, something, something, because Kirk Cousins ain't it, and somehow he conned them into more money. Um, that's that's kind of where I'm at in life. Uh, but like losers, I, I I guess I have to piggyback off of New England because mm-hmm. you saw what they did last year, and they just. You know, the free agency market last year, looking back, like I said, like they just completely whiffed on it. And now they're kind of stuck left holding the bag. Like, I I got to go with them as my top loser. Well, they haven't signed one, like, actual good piece. They've signed Terrence Mitchell and they traded for, was it um, Mac Wilson? Is that his name? Or Wilson Mac? Mm-hmm. The line, linebacker from Cleveland, the fifth rounder. But, I mean, like, dude, like... Pick but up then the they phone. had to send away Winovich. Yeah. Pick so, up the like, phone. what does that say about that? <laughs> well, Winovich didn't pan out, and now it's looking like it's looking like that 2019 draft Puma is a massive bust now because you know it was Nikhil Harry, right? It was Winovich, I believe, and then a bunch of other crap players. Like, uh, I don't have top of my head, but looking back in that draft class, man, like they're sending away Winovich. Basically, he. They're admitting it was it was a bad pick, um, and now my fear is Uche also is, is next because we were supposed to have you know Camagrone and Uche and Winovich and Ronnie Perkins as the stud like core of our of our uh, linebacker core going forward, but none of them are hitting. So what you're doing is you're bringing back people like Hightower and, and Slater and McCordy. like all this young talent isn't working out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you've got dumbass coaches as well. So, uh, no, you got the you get the the son of the goat with the mullet and the weird psychotic faces, like he's on <laughs> PCP. And then and then I see like moves like Channel Jones, you know, leaving New England, oh. thriving second contract now after New England, you know, uh, for all those. So, what is he? What has he done without Belichick? People, uh, I mean, that, that's always that was always a fun uh, fun conversation. So, so Jay, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the Raiders real quick. Uh, mm-hmm. So, what? I, I know your sister; she she's gotten into football recently. What are what are her thoughts on the Raiders moves? Like, obviously, they extended Max Crosby, who mm-hmm. I am all on board for. Absolute beast. He's going to be that that production, in my opinion, I think is going to continue moving forward. Uh, you know, they they signed Chandler Jones, they traded Yannick Ngakwe. But they brought, you know, they brought Rocky in Sin. Rocky Asin mm-hmm. to shore up that secondary, and you know they cut Carl Nassib or Nassib, 
Uh, you know, what's what's your sister's thoughts on, on the Raiders move so far? Well, she has a little bit of uh, intrepidation. Um, and, I, and I get it because, you know, she's sitting here just like we are and watching, boom, Broncos making moves, signing Russell Wilson, bringing in Gregory. And now they're trying to recruit Bobby Wagner to an already stacked team. Boom, the Chargers are just, you know, loaded top to bottom. They're making moves left and right. You know, Chiefs, they are who they are at the end. They, they still run the division runs through the AFC West until somebody can prove otherwise. So she's angsty right now because, you know, there's an arms race going on in the AFC West and her team isn't making the adequate moves in her eyes. And actually in my eyes as well, besides the Chandler Jones move, which, you know, I really like pairing it up with, with Max Crosby. You got a, you got a decent um, defensive line uh, there, but... You know, I see what they're doing in regards to trying to build that Patriots West model, right? They ended up signing both Jakob Johnson and Brandon Bolden today. So it seems like Josh McDaniels is, who, by the way, loves using, you know, fullbacks and halfbacks in that blocking, come out of the back, you know, catch the ball for 5, 10 yards, molds. So that's why he brought in both Jakob and um, and Brandon Bolden. But listen, they, they right now are are trying their best to make moves to keep up with the rest of the elite in the AFC West. But let's be real 100%. Like, I don't think they can make any move this offseason that's not going to bring them out of that number four spot in that division. Right, right. I mean, I think they definitely, they, the Raiders, in my opinion, I think they need to address the wide receiver position somewhat just because Zay Jones left in free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all know what happened with Henry Ruggs last year. Um, I, I think you need to come up with <clears throat> a different scheme to take the heat off of, you know, Darren Waller and get, not getting double coverage all the time. Whether or not it's, you know, addressing that with Allen Robinson in free agency, or if you do that in the draft and try to get a speedster to stretch the field, um, you know, they're, they're picking in the first round, twenty second overall. I, I don't know what wide receiver is going to be down there at that point, but. I think they definitely, you know, for for any free agent signings or or, or, or in the draft, I think the wide receiver position, wide receiver and offensive line uh, are going to definitely be on the top priority list. Well, let's be real 100% here, and, and I think this is going to be a very unpopular take, but if I'm the Raiders right now looking up at the, the, the other three teams and how far the gap is between us and the other three teams in the AFC West, I would highly consider tanking the season. I know that's not popular. I know that's not what you want to hear from your new head coach coming in, but I think there's just too much of a gap to be made up this offseason between you guys and the rest of the field in the AFC West. So why not maybe consider moving some of your key assets, kind of bottoming out, kind of rebuilding for the future, um, and, and kind of going from there. Uh, you know, I think we all can agree, and I'm very close to taking the Chargers to win the AFC West, but at the moment I'll have the Chiefs as the number one team. But it's going to be the Broncos and the Chiefs uh, and the Chargers duking out for second and third place. And I think no matter what the Raiders do, they're going to be number four, short of signing Deshaun Watson, right? So with with what's happening in that division, that wouldn't be a bad plan in my eyes. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I mean, Josh, Josh McDaniels is probably not a happy camper right now. He woke up and saw the Russell Wilson news and thought to himself, holy crap. <laughs> Can I get off the plane again? <laughs> is the ink dry on that contract? <laughs> yeah, yeah. How locked down is this contract? Can Whoops. I pull a Randy Gregory? Can I get out of it? Eh. Yeah. 
Well, since we're on the subject, and I know we're going to talk about the Russell Wilson Denver thing, but let's talk about Denver real quick and some of the moves they made in, in free agency. Obviously, they went out, they got Russell Wilson. Uh, they had to send away, uh, you know, two twos, two seconds, Noah Fant, Drew Locke, and Shelby Harris, I believe, um, to the Seahawks. And in return, they got Russell Wilson. They added Gregory um, to an already stacked defense, in my opinion, with Sertan and, and Bradley Chubb. And... What's your thoughts on the Denver Broncos? What's your outlook for the year 2022 for them? I mean, in my opinion, it's, it's kind of playoff. You know, like what we said last year with the, with the New England Patriots, right? like, the, you know, me and you, we were on the same page of it's, it's playoff bust, and yeah. playoff win or bust. I mean, you give up that much capital to get Russell Wilson, and then you throw him into an offense where you have – you know, Javante Williams, who's up and coming, and who knows if Melvin Gordon is going to come back. He's a free agent, and he was kind of the one-two punch with Javante uh, Williams. Uh, Williams might be the lead back. I think he's ready for that role as the lead back in that offense. And you throw him in there with the Jerry Judy and, you know, uh, you know Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick, who I, I think doesn't really get a whole lot of credit as a wide receiver uh, in throughout the league. I think he's you know kind of a blue collar type of deal. He really stepped up at times last season. Uh, you know, you, you throw him in there uh, with with those kind of you know dynamic weapons. I I, I think it, I think it's going to have to be uh, playoffs and playoff win or bust. Realistically, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances with the with the Kansas City Chiefs I think the Broncos are gonna have to aim for a wild card bid uh, but I definitely think it's within the realm of possibility I mean we, we saw it you know last year or the, or the year prior where a couple of wild card teams came out of the AFC North I, I think the AFC West might be potentially one of the best divisions in football you know just early look ahead type of situation I think that's where the AFC West is at this point uh, given all the the arms raise, well, I think the uh, the one thing that's going in the Broncos' favor, and I think this is where maybe three teams from the AFC West can make the playoffs, is that their out of division schedule is kind of weak, right? So I mean, I'm looking mm-hmm. at it right now. You got Kansas City, LA at home, Raiders at home, Texans at home, Colts at home. Don't know what the quarterback situation is. Um, Cardinals at home, 49ers at home. Away, you've got, you know, at Jacksonville, at Kansas City, at Raiders, at Chargers, obviously, at Rams, at Tennessee, at Seahawks, um, at Baltimore, at Carolina, at Jets. So maybe not the easiest away schedule, so I might have misspoke there earlier, but it's definitely, there's definitely some of those, you know, Carolinas, Jets, um, Seahawks without a quarterback, you know, uh, Jaguars, that kind of thing in there where Texans, where they could get those wins easily and then really duke it out for the division. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so speaking of quarterbacks, let's move on to Deshaun Watson. Um, now, Friday, uh, it came out that a grand jury is not going to indict um, uh, Russ, uh, Deshaun Watson, and basically the only thing left for him to work through is the civil cases. Uh, with that news, a lot of NFL teams saw the green light to start engaging in conversation with the, with the Texans for Deshaun Watson services. At the moment, it seems that uh, he has already uh, met with the Panthers, Saints, and Browns, and I believe he's going to sit down with the Falcons, Brass either today or tomorrow, um, and there should be a decision coming very soon. Actually, he sat, he sat down with the Falcons, Brass today, and a decision mm-hmm. should be coming very soon. So, with that being said, Puma, you know, Deshaun Watson has been out of the limelight for a little bit. You know, last we saw him, he was still a top 
three to five quarterback. Um, I still cannot believe he went into Kansas City, was up 21-0 and still lost that lead. I mean, that's how great that Texan team was at one point with him. So, you know, where do you think he's going to end up and what are your expectations for him going forward? Right. I, I feel like going into today, you know, the, the, the chalk was the Panthers and then the Saints and then the Falcons, but really the, the Browns have made this last minute mm-hmm. push to bring him aboard and send him to uh, to Believe Land or, you know, Cleveland, depending on what nomenclature, if you're local from the area. But I mean, if, if I had to rank it right now, I don't know how the Falcons are going to make it work because they, they just extended Matt Ryan with some like phony money type of deal to help with the cap situation. So I, I don't know how they're going to make the salary cap work if they trade in or cut Matt Ryan if they end up trading for Deshaun Watson. And you also have to think of it this way. Like Calvin Ridley suspended the whole year. They lost, They just lost Russell Gage. Like who's... Who's their wide receiver? What are they going to do? They're going to bring back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Julio Jones because he just got released by the the Tennessee Titans. Like I, I don't know how how that would work. So if I had to rank it, I I might go Cleveland, the Saints, the Panthers, and then the Falcons. Yeah, I, I think you make a good point there. I think the Falcons are the least attractive in regards to the on field roster and talent. Off the field, I mean, Atlanta is like the LA of the South, right? I mean, that's that's where everything happens in the South. You got major business down there. The, the end, the opportunities for him to obviously get uh, marketing deals are going to be off the charts. So, you know, if he wants, if his priority is to build a brand, build back the Deshaun Watson name in the South, I think he can do that. He's from down there, so they'll welcome back him with open arms, and I think he will be able to rehab his image. But the on-the-field play, especially going through Tom Brady in that division, and I'm not convinced this is Tom Brady's last year. I feel like I've always thought Tom Brady was going to have to be dragged off the field, and I think that's probably going to happen now. So you probably have to contend with Tom Brady for the next couple of years. So I think the Falcons aren't a good fit. I think you're right, Puma. The Browns or the Saints are the most intriguing. Like, their roster's top to bottom, and let's take away the Saints cap situation and money and everything else because I do believe if they really do want them, they can maneuver something around and make it happen. But looking at the Saints roster, the fact that they were able to make Tom Brady look foolish, especially that defense, if you stick Deshaun Watson in there, that would be just beautiful. Now, unfortunately, Sean Payton left last year, and somehow Sean Payton was still there this year, and he put Deshaun Watson in there. You could be talking about the Saints maybe potentially being a Super Bowl contender. So... Saints, Browns, I, I think are going to be a leading candidate. And for the, some reason for the Panthers, I don't know what it is, Puma, but I just I just don't like Matt Rule. I don't like Tepper. I don't like Matt Rule. I don't like the Panthers. I don't like the colors. I don't like their logos. I don't like anything about the Panthers. And, and I'm, if I'm sitting here thinking to myself, why why would Deshaun Watson logically want to go there? Like, it's not as, right. if, like, as if Matt Rule runs some beautiful offensive system. No, he's been an average coach in the NFL. He's actually looked pretty bad at points. I mean, uh, Carolina, I guess I guess because he's from the area, he played down the road in Clemson University. Maybe that could be a draw. But I'm looking at it, and I'm like, I, I would not want to end up there. That makes no sense to me. I think if you had to come down to it, Saints-Browns, that's where it should be. Right, and I, and I also think we haven't really discussed this at all, is we're all assuming 
that the NFL isn't going to suspend, you know, uh, Deshaun Watson, even with the the civil suits going on. Like, you don't need to suspend him because, you know, pending like a, a criminal case type of deal. Like now that the fat, now that the criminal case has gone out the the wayside, you know, there's still the potential. Hey, he might be suspended, a la like Ben Roethlisberger a couple of years ago. I just think. For like trade, you know, capital type of situation, I think the Browns and the Saints rosters are better positioned to send players and draft picks to Houston in order to 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 pry him away uh, from the Houston Texans. Um, that's that's no shade against the uh, against the Carolina Panthers. I, I I saw a report that if they were actually they being the Texans were going to trade Deshaun Watson. Uh, they were going to want players on, like, you know, essentially like their first contract. That, you know, they're not going to want players like a Christian McCaffrey who has kind of that albatross contract already, who may be out in a year or two. You're giving up a premier quarterback for some guy potentially with injury history. I don't think it's a bridge too far to say he might be on the back nine of his career, just given how much he's been banged up the last two years since he signed that massive extension. I think the Saints and the Browns, you know, player-wise, draft-wise, are, are in a better position to trade for Watson. Now, now Jay, like, we, we kind of saw this with Tyree Kill and his own off-the-field peccadillos a couple of years ago. And, and, you know, he was held out of training camp and, and whatnot while, like, his... His situation with, uh, you know, with his with this kid and and his uh, baby mama was being adjudicated, uh, for lack of a better term. Uh, he didn't he didn't get suspended during the regular season. Do do you think uh, Roger Goodell is going to be in the business of suspending Deshaun Watson with the civil suit still going on, or do you think he doesn't really want to touch that at all? You know, right now. Well. Well, I think, you know, you've said this very well over the last couple of years. The NFL is trying its best not to, you know, impose suspensions on civil lawsuits. It, it seems like, you know, the line is, is for them is criminal lawsuits. If it's a if it's a criminal case, if there's criminal charges and a DA has investigated, you know, and they believe that charges should be brought, then that's different, right? That's when they get involved. I think logic tells us they won't uh, with a civil lawsuit. I, I think the only case I can make for them moving in and suspending Watson uh, base is just simply because the numbers are just too high. There's 22 women out there saying something, and it would be such a, a bad look for the NFL who's trying to be as inclusive as possible, We're trying to get the women, you know, viewership up, trying to have more women fans in the stands. So, like, I guess it would be a good message to send to the um to their fan base that, you know, they're going to suspend Deshaun Watson for what he did. So the thing with the NFL is, and we all know this, they just make it up as they go. It's it's mm-hmm. not a governmental organization with a set of mandates that they follow. No, it, it's a private business. They do as they feel. And at the moment, there's evidence that they won't do anything to Deshaun Watson. And there's evidence that they will do something to Deshaun Watson. So I don't want to give a, a, a you know, a, a shit answer here and a little bit of a cop out on my end, but... I have no idea, truthfully, man. I can't see it going both ways. Right. If I had to lean one way, just given the the recent history, I I hate to say this, but like Tyree Kill is kind of like the measuring post for 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 something like this, where he 
you know, they had the criminal case. It wasn't, it wasn't brought to trial. You know, you have Deshaun Watson here. He, the, the, the grand jury felt that there wasn't enough evidence to move forward with a, a you know, a, a, you know, the criminal case uh, with the district attorney. You know, that's not, you know, in my opinion, it's not absolving him of any potential wrongdoing. Like, you know, we all said there is a civil case that's still being litigated right now. Um, but I, 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 like you said, Jay, I've been saying it for a while. I don't think the NFL wants to get in the business of suspending people uh, for for civil cases. I mean, we saw it with Antonio Brown. They kind of did like a half-ass attempt to do it. But um, I, I don't think we're going to see that with Deshaun Watson, barring any like last-minute, you know, bombshells coming out from Larry Busby, the the, play, the the plaintiffs, the people bringing the charges against Deshaun Watson, you know, toward to to trial or to a DA. I, I just, unfortunately, I, I just don't see that happening. Well, I find it fascinating that. You know, we live in a society now where a, a district attorney and a prosecuting office has investigated and sent to a grand jury. And grand juries love more than anything to prosecute people, to bring them into a court of law, to actually, you know, discuss the case, right? And I find mm -hmm. it funny that the grand jury didn't even want to go down that path. They saw as, you know, not not enough evidence to to prosecute with the charges and, and actually have a conversation about this in court. So I I don't know where to lean on this because of the because of social movement in America nowadays. You know, all indications tell me that it seems like yes, Deshaun Watson is a creepy guy, but nothing. Uh, what you call it? Um, nothing criminal happened. Nothing bad across that line happened. And it seems like people are still kind of leaning to the fact that because there's 22 women, and I'm trying to tread very lightly here because it is a little bit of a situation that needs to be, you know, worked out with with uh, with Deshaun Watson and, and the women. So, I mean, I I don't understand how a civil lawsuit can go forward when a criminal case isn't even being brought. It was investigated, and it was like, all right, well, there's not enough evidence to do anything about this. You feel me? Like that's where I'm not a lawyer, so I don't understand it as well. Um, but I think we're just so overly careful about somebody's emotional feelings in today's day and age that we've got to investigate to the 10th degree. Right, right. Well, the, the threshold's different. It's like OJ, right? Like mm -hmm. he was found not guilty for murder, but he was found guilty in a civil case for wrongful death. But not to bore anybody with this being a law, you know, podcast, Let's let's assume Jay he gets traded, and just for argument's sake, let's say he gets traded to the Cleveland Browns. You already hinted at this at the top of the show that Baker Mayfield, you know, penned that you know, I, I guess you know the open heart type of potential farewell letter last night. Um, what do you think the domino effect is going to be with the quarterback market, you know, moving forward in the off season? Well, right off the bat, 100%, just this meeting happening between the Browns and the Watson and the Watson camp means that Baker Mayfield is not going to be in, in Cleveland anymore. It seems that Baker is at this point now where he is just so pissed off with the fact that they're even looking at somebody else that he's decided he's probably going to be asking for a trade. His his little you know statement last night on Twitter and Instagram was basically, for all intents and purposes, a goodbye to Cleveland. And today I saw, you know, Chris Morrison come out and say that 
you know, the Browns are looking for somebody a little more adult-like. Um, they're basically going to go break up with Baker Mayfield. So right now, right off the top, one of the downloads is going to fall. Is Baker Mayfield is not going to be in Cleveland. I mean, I wonder where he ends up at. I know the Colts are looking for a quarterback. I know the Seahawks are looking for a quarterback. I think both would be good places for Baker to go and try to revitalize his career. Once that happens, and let's say the Browns don't end up with Deshaun Watson, then Jimmy Garoppolo becomes a very viable option for the Browns, right? I mean, that would be that'd be great for the 49ers to trade him out of the conference into the AFC and work out well for them. Let's say he goes to Atlanta. If that's the case, now Matt Ryan is up in the air, right? I mean, there's a lot that goes behind the scenes in regards to how much money is being, you know, allocated to Matt Ryan and uh, some of the salary cap nightmare issues. But putting all that aside for a second, it's not going to be feasible for, feasible for them to carry two quarterbacks of those caliber next year. So then where does Matt Ryan end up, right? So it seems like this Deshaun Watson shoe that's going to drop it to here tomorrow is going to, A, really stir up the quarterback market, and B, it's really going to have those Allen Robinson-type players that are still out there kind of take, in a pro, kind of take a, another look at the landscape of the NFL once Deshaun Watson is set and then make their decisions. For sure. And, and Jay, we talked about the soft line, specifically for Cleveland, right? Like, whatever happens with the Watson sweepstakes with the Cleveland Browns, you have to move on from Cle- from Baker Mayfield at this point. Like you can't have him b- back in the locker room being the unhappy camper. Um, I, I, we all saw that kind of the relationships to get strained a bit as the season went on. I know Baker was trying to gut out a couple of injuries and, and give it a go for for the season, um, but. You're going to have to move them. And we talked about this offline. If you strike out on Deshaun Watson, I am calling San Francisco and asking, what is it going to take to get Jimmy Garoppolo uh, to, to Cleveland? And, you know, you figure out a way to jettison, you know, Baker Mayfield, whether or not it's just outright release, whether or not you, you flip him to the Indianapolis Colts who – Call it man crush with Frank Reich. I, I really love Frank Reich as a head coach He's and trying to character. get the best out of the quarterback. Um, and, and and honestly, Jay, honestly, I think for given the personality that Baker Mayfield is, I don't think it's that bad of an idea to pair him with a quasi preacher type of dude in mm-hmm. Frank Reich. You know what I'm saying? Like just to just to rein him in type of deal. I, I know. Baker Mayfield's comp coming out of college uh, was Brett Favre. And we all saw how Brett Favre did in Atlanta with, with Jerry Glanville. And it didn't pan out. And the Falcons traded him to to the Green Bay Packers. And he had Mike Holmgren as, as his head coach. And I'm not saying Holmgren is a, is a choir boy. But I felt like Holmgren was a good yin to the yang known as Brett Favre. And I think that could potentially be a Frank Reich and Baker Mayfield type of situation. And full disclosure, again, I am biased with Frank Reich, but I do not think that's too far of a bridge to cross given those two personalities. And especially with the, you know, the, the, how they want to run that offense. Like they want to through Jonathan Taylor. Mm-hmm. That's no disrespect to Michael Pittman Jr. Or maybe T.Y. Hilton might come back. They got Mo Ali Cox back there, a tight end for, you know, I think he signed a three-year extension type of deal. Um, there, there, there are playmakers on the Colts' offensive side of the football, and I think Frank Wright could potentially get the best out of Baker Mayfield. 
Yeah, I think you make a really good point about how just Frank Wright can rein in Baker Mayfield a little bit, make him, you know, maybe think about the world in a different view. Because Frank Wright is a very, a very good leader. I mean, not even just who he is as a coach, but as a person, I think would do wonders for for Baker Mayfield. And I and I think the style of play that both Frank Reich and actually Pete Carroll want to implement are, are going to work mm-hmm. very well with Baker Mayfield's skill set. Like, Baker Mayfield's not that guy uh, like a Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers where he drop back 50 times a game and he'll pick you apart. He's a guy that needs, you know, the running attack doing well for him. He's going to play action off of that. He has a decent enough for him to, to make some good throws off the, the play action game. And I think with a strong run game with... John Taylor, uh, obviously in Indianapolis, and and how Pete Carroll wants to run the ball up in Seattle, I think Baker Mayfield might be a really good fit for for both those guys. But you know, in Ohio here, people are people are so divided. You know, people are either so madly in love with Baker Mayfield that they. Um, they can't see the fact that Deshaun Watson is a better quarterback. I know I have some friends of mine that would rather take Baker Mayfield over Deshaun Watson. And wow. there's the other half of us who are spurned Ohio State fans. And we're in that arena that night at the Horseshoe when he came to Oklahoma and he planted the flag in the middle of the stadium. And we haven't forgotten that. So, uh, And that uh, and that's still kind of a, something that uh, we, we kind of keep uh, in the back of our minds. So... You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see where, where Baker Mayfield ends up, but the drama never stops in the NFL. I'll give you that. Nope, nope. It's the best uh, the best real-life, you know, drama series that can get, that, that, that's in existence. Like, uh, eat your heart out, 90 Day Fiance, baby. <laughs> <sighs> yeah. All right, well, listen, we're at, like, what, 53 minutes? Do you want to get to anything else, or do you want to wrap it up? I mean, what? I think I think we, we kind of we kind of covered everything uh, for for an hour podcast. I, I, I think we're, we're good to go. And, of course, if any, you know, earth-shattering news comes out, you know, it, it almost seems like it's imminent that Deshaun Watson's going to be moved at some point within, I would say, the next 72 hours. Uh, we'll fire up the bat signal, Jay. We'll do an emergency pod. We'll break it down, and it'll it'll be a good time. But it's it's great to be back in the swing of things, and it's crazy that free agency is here, which just means Jay, the NFL draft is right around the corner. You're gonna get the OTAs. You're gonna get training camp. Before you know it, it's gonna be opening night for the regular season. Let's go. Ooh. Well, truthfully, one of my favorite one of my favorite times of the NFL calendar year is when a schedule comes out like that mm-hmm. is just so good like there's gonna be like wall-to-wall coverage from like nine different networks just covering a schedule like that's how beautiful the nfl is that we, we stop everything and we're like oh my god who's playing week one you know <laughs> right remember when people were saying football was dying yeah yeah i think yeah, it's I'm alive sure. and well yeah uh what else what else what else oh last little tidbit I just got to say this because I'm so frustrated with this. Why is it 2022? Laid out. Why is it 2022 and we're still talking about Colin Kaepernick? Like, what, oh, here what, we go. Like, like, what are we doing? Like, like, and this is obviously putting all the social issue stuff aside because that's something I don't even want to touch on a sports podcast. But just a football player. Like, do we really believe after five years away from the game he's going to come back and play in the NFL? Like I saw his little like uh, you know YouTube video he threw out there where he's throwing against Jared against Tyler Lockett and the angles like you know I almost thought the video was sped up a little bit I was like well, it looks like he's throwing very well but it looks like it's, it might be edited in a weird way but regardless all I'm saying is why is it 2022 and we're still talking about Colin Kaepernick being in the NFL it's not gonna happen right. bro let it go 
No, it's it's not going to happen. And you know the off the field stuff. That's a discussion for a different day. I I I'm not. I understand where he's coming from. I sympathize and 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 get where he's coming from with the off the field stuff. But strictly between the numbers and oh, yeah. the X's the NFL and stuff, O's, yeah. like, nah, yeah. I, it, that that ship has set sail. Like when there was that workout a couple of he years did ago, it himself too. And we, and we can all agree that like, all right, maybe the NFL wasn't in doing it in the best of faith. But then, like Cap, also turned it into a freaking farce as well, too. So, like, I that ship has set sail. He's not going to be suiting up in, in in shoulder pads for the NFL anytime soon. Maybe he'll play in the XFL with the Rock. I I, I don't know, but you know, on the gridiron for the National Football League, that ship has set sail. I think we can put that pipe dream away. Yeah, it, it's done over with. Uh, I, I I wash my hands clean of it. Yeah, it's just it's just I understand that Colin Kaepernick and a lot of people can't see this is not in the football business anymore. He's in the nope. Colin Kaepernick brand slash social justice issues, you know, um, brand as well. So like he he's not in it for football anymore, and I think he understands that as well. And a commentator on, I think it was FS1, was talking about how, you know, he believes that video wasn't really meant to be sent out there for us to be like, oh, my God, he still got it. He's still going to be a quarterback. He, this person, this commentator was saying he thinks deep down even Cap knows that it's over for him. He just wants to remind you of the injustice that happened, quote unquote, in his eyes of how he was black balls from the NFL. I mean, that's basically what the gist of his video is. And it kind of makes sense. And let's be real, he's not going to come in and beat out any 32 starters in the NFL right now, especially with his advanced stage and being away from the game for so long. I think it was simply a, a ploy, and it was simply a look-at-me type of move. Uh, hey, I'm still here. Here's my brand. I'm going to try to grow it. And that's my biggest issue with Colin Kaepernick as a whole, as a football player. It never was about football. It was about everything else. Mm-hmm. I can co-sign that. All right, and uh, that's really all I got, brother, man. Let's let's plug it up and get out of here. Yeah, so this episode of the podcast and previous episodes of the Pro Football Radio Podcast can be found on Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Apple Podcasts. On YouTube, be sure to hit the subscribe button. You'll be notified once the new video is in your feed for your viewing and listening pleasure. Apple Podcasts. Be sure to leave a five-star review. Helps uh, with the algorithm to get promoted to the masses, build the brand. We're on an upward trajectory move, you know, moving forward. Let's keep that train rolling down the tracks. Uh, social media-wise, Facebook, Instagram, Pro Football Radio Podcast. The Twitter machine, at PFR Podcast. I'm on Twitter, Brando underscore Puma. The captain of the ship, Jay Chima, is at Jay Chima. Uh, the DMs are open. Be sure to hit us up if you got some takes on the free agency pool. You got some takes on the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. Where do you think he's going to go? What compensation? Whatever. And like we said, if there's any movement with Deshaun Watson anytime soon, which it seems imminent, we'll fire up the bat signal and we'll get out an emergency podcast for you guys. But it's great to be back in the saddle, Jay. Great to be back with you on the ones and twos driving the ship. And I can't wait to get back 
into the grind moving forward with some draft prep and some, you know, we're going to be talking about OTAs and schedule releases and which franchise tag player is going to be holding out because they didn't get a contract extension. Bro, I'm all here for it. Let's go. Well, last thing, now that you brought it up, and I'm sorry because you brought the bat signal. I watched a new Batman movie and yeah. um, a little disappointing. Like it was, uh, you uh, were high on that movie too. Uh, yeah, it looked good, and and you know the best way I can des- the best way I can describe it is I loved everything about the movie, everything, whether it was the sound, you know, the the score, the um, the the way they built Gotham. I mean, the way they shot Gotham, beautifully shot. Catwoman was amazing. The Penguin was amazing. I don't think Batman was amazing. And that's weird seeing in a Batman movie, you know? Like, it's Batman's this mythical creature that you see in these movies that's, like, taken out, like, he's one step ahead. He's taken out, like, superheroes and stuff. But in this Batman, he's kind of a little bit of a weak punk, man. He's, like, he's like this guy in, in a leather suit, and he's getting pummeled for half the movie. He's on the ground for half the movie. So I liked a lot of the movie had to offer. I think Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman was absolutely phenomenal, and the movie was more about her and her intriguing backstory and how that all fits into the, the narrative. But Batman itself was a little bit of a, a, little bit of a miss. Well, that's what happens when you get the Twilight guy playing Batman. So <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Well, we'll talk to you guys next week. Via con deal. So real quick, real quick. Hang on a sec. Hang on oh, a sec. Yes. We got we to gotta bring this out. Yeah. Freddy Soliotis, you're fired. Ooh, that, that was a good one. I heard the grrr at the end. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> All right. See you guys soon. Peace.